4: You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there.
1: Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You gotta make some phone calls? Hang up the phone! Prank caller! Prank caller! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. I'll be honest, I didn't think we were doing one today. I don't know why. I just kind of figure we got all caught up yesterday, kind of in the dead period, and I go and check in. It's like, oh, dang. People are people are up and active, so we are good. We are ready to rock and roll. We got a bunch of calls to get through. So why don't we just go ahead and get started, starting with Mr. Peter.
5: Ryan, Peter Thomas. Give me hey a call. man. Uh hey, I had a thought for a podcast and um thought it might be interesting to take a look at the players that we had not this year, but the previous year. Uh, 2021, and to take a look at where they ended up um, on other teams, for example, the players that got paid. For example, Marquez valdez Gatling had a pretty darn good game uh, against the Bengals. Um, other players like Billy Turner, where did he go? How did he grade out this year? Tandon Sullivan, um, some of the players that we let go, just wanted to see um, how they – uh Oh, they did this year, sure. as far as PSF grades are concerned. Um, maybe a couple others that we could look into as well, too. Uh, where'd Kyla Hill go? Um, where did, um, you know, Oren Burks go? I think he uh, actually replaced um, the injured linebacker in the uh, 49ers game. Uh, how did he grade out? Anyways, uh, just thinking about um, some of our previous players and – Was it worth it to let them go? Thanks.
1: Yeah, so why don't we start with Devontae? I know we didn't let him walk, but that one comes immediately to mind to just see did he improve being somewhere else or uh, did he end up getting worse or stay the same or what? So remember how I said every year I say Devontae is going to level off and he's never going to start going down. He finally did for the first time in his career. He went from a 59 to a 72 to an 80, 87, 88, 92, 92.7, and then this year a 90.1. Still elite, but he finally kind of got over that hump. Now, would he have continued with Green Bay? I don't know, but uh, he certainly didn't get better. Not sure if it's even possible to get much better than Devontae the last couple of years uh marquez got a ton of hype and of course everybody's all oh i can't believe you let him go you idiots blah 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 because he had one good game guess what he actually had two good games which is normal Uh, against san francisco in week seven he had an 80.1 grade against cincinnati 89.4 because he had eight targets six receptions 116 yards and a touchdown that is his pretty much his best metrics across the board for the entire year he ended the year uh, well, he didn't end the year because they're not done yet. But uh, including the playoffs, eight hundred nine yards, four touchdowns, PFF grade of a sixty-five point six. Last year he had a sixty-six point one. So exact same guy. In fact, if you compare it to twenty twenty in terms of statistics, forty-nine receptions compared to forty-one, eight hundred nine yards compared to eight thirty-eight, four touchdowns compared to seven in twenty twenty. So I would say he was actually better in twenty twenty than he is uh, this year with Kansas city. How about Amari Rogers? You remember he went, uh, to the Houston Texans and wow to everybody, because I think in his second ever game with against Dallas, he was four for four for 57 yards and a touchdown. It was his first ever touchdown. It was this great, awesome thing. Um, he ended although he had an 82 grade in that game with a 66.3, uh, PFF grade. On the year, it's a 62.1, but we'll call it a 66.3, despite the fact that he only played one, two, three, four, five games. Last year with the Packers, he had a 60.6. So over the two years, he went from a 60.6 to a 62.1, but had a 66.3 with Houston. Is it a jump? Yes. In fact, he had three good games in a row against Dallas, 82.6, Kansas City, 72, basically, and then Tennessee, a 76 but the other games were 53, 55, and 47. So slight minor improvement. I suppose suppose when you look at the fact that he had three good games in a row, and I don't think he's ever had a good game with the Packers, and the fact that he had a 57-yard plus a touchdown game, you could say that there's some improvement. But overall, from a PFF standpoint, it was a very minor jump from a 60 to a 66. How about our buddy Lucas Patrick? How about that guy? Um, Lucas Patrick... Had a 55.9 grade for the Chicago Bears, which, believe it or not, is pretty close to what he was last year for Green Bay when he had a 57.5. His one good, well, quote-unquote, good year, considering he was an undrafted free agent, came in 2020 when he had a 60-67 grade. But it is worth noting, it was by far his worst ever pass-blocking grade. Ever. Which is weird because their entire offensive line kind of got knocked for being bad pass blockers and really good run blockers. It was one of his best run blocking years. You wonder how much of it had to do with the individual players as opposed to maybe how they played, how they were coached. I don't know. But he had a 30.8 pass blocking grade. In the last three years with the Packers, his lowest was a 62.9. And considering pass blocking is the most important thing, this was by far his worst year ever. Uh, Billy Turner went to the Denver Broncos in his three years with Green Bay. His grades were 63, 70, and 67. His grade this year for Denver was a 56. This is his worst year since 2017, the last time he was in Denver. Um, It's his second worst year ever as a starter. His couple years in Denver, he was never a starter. But in 2015 in Miami, he was a starter, had a 55. This is about that bad. So his grades as a starter, 55 with Miami, Then a 64 with Denver, 63, 70, and 67 with Green Bay, and then a 56 back with Denver. This was uh, his worst ever pass-blocking year of his career. Uh, Switching over to the defense, Kingsley Kiki is with the Arizona Cardinals and did not play. Tyler Lancaster is with the Raiders. He did not play. Jack Heflin went to the Giants. He played one game and had a 30.4 grade. His grade with the Packers was 48 Orin Burks is the one true massive outlier here. Uh, As you mentioned, he went to the San Francisco 49ers. His grades with the Green Bay Packers, 44, 45, 28, 53. He spent one year with the 49ers and had a 79 PFF grade, 82 run defense, 78 tackling, 61.5 pass rush, and 70 in coverage. Um, His lowest graded game of the entire year was a 50.9. He only had three games below a 60, he had, um, let's say, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games at 70 and above, two at 80 and above. Now he didn't play a massive amount of snaps, but there is no question in my mind that Oren Burks was not necessarily the worst pick in the world. We just absolutely suck with linebackers, maybe defensive players in general. I don't know. but what an absolute waste. For him to be one of the worst linebackers in all of football when he was with Green Bay, spend one year with the 49ers and have basically an 80 PFF grade and was good in every single category. The guy had a sack on only nine attempts, 17 tackles, nine assists, only one missed tackle, eight stops, 12 receptions on 17 targets, 80 yards, gave up one touchdown, but had a pass breakup, basically an 80 PFF grade. That's, that's annoying. Uh, Chandon Sullivan, much like the rest, pretty much graded out. I mean, he had his one good year in Green Bay with a 73.6 grade. 2020, he had a 60.2. 2021, a 55.0, and we let him go. He went to Minnesota, had a 55.7 grade. So again, I, I think the theme, because I think we're basically done here, I think the theme is that people just are what they are. Occasionally, a guy can improve in a different system, and that always seems to be our linebackers, doesn't it? Blake Martinez goes to the Giants and is a stud. Uh, Oren Burks goes to the 49ers and is a stud. I don't know why the Green Bay Packers cannot use linebackers. I don't understand it. I mean, we, we had Devondre, who had his one good year, right? And it was like, oh, man, now we got this linebacker guy in, um, in Joe Barry, and now our linebackers are all going to be studs. And then he took a giant step back, and then we drafted Quay, and he actually had a pretty subpar year. It's like, well, that sucks. And then we get rid of Oren Burks and he goes to the 49ers and they're like, dude, this guy's awesome. What were you doing? It's like, I don't know, man. I don't, I honestly don't know. But the, the general theme, and I, I mentioned this before Devonte left, because I, I did this. I looked at guys that had left and gone other places to see, do they generally get a ton better when they go from elite quarterback down to, you know, mediocre? No, the, the dominant wide receivers are dominant wide receivers. It's not this, this whole narrative about Devonte made Rodgers or Rodgers made Devontae or Rodgers is going to massively improve. It's never happened before that a, a wide receiver comes over here and becomes elite. In fact, everybody that's come to Green Bay, from what I can tell, was slightly worse. It was so obnoxious every time somebody be like, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a good wide receiver. Of course he is. He's got Aaron Rodgers. That has nothing to do with anything. So in pretty much every single case, with a, a few minor exceptions, Everybody was just what they were. And even these, like, Billy Turner, who got worse, yeah, but he also has played that way before. So it's not like he was significantly better with Green Bay and that guy. No, I I mean, he's done that in Miami. He's had a couple years where he's just played like that. Ornan Burks was really the only standout that I can remember with maybe, maybe Amari being the other guy. But for the most part, guys just are what they are. It's been sort of my observation.
6: What's up Brian, this is Blake's dad. Hey. Um I was just calling because obviously it's mock draft season and I've been doing a lot of mocks just for fun because it's fun. Yeah. And I find myself getting either a tackle or a wide receiver of that fifteen. And why do I keep picking wide receivers and doing this to myself when the Packers Don't ever pick them in the first round. You think I'd learn by now, but I just keep doing it because it's fun and it makes too much sense. Should I stop and just realize that that ain't ever going to happen? Or do we think this is the year just like every year? Well, I guess that's really all I got. Um, I really think they can go any direction at 15, but it comes down to a wide receiver, so we'll
1: see later. My honest recommendation would be to stop. And the only reason I say that, because I'm not on board with the Packers never pick wide receivers in the first round thing, even though they haven't, it doesn't mean that they won't, because there is a big difference. Uh, as I've said many times, we know that they wanted Justin Jefferson, but the Vikings traded up and sniped him. Um, we know that last year they looked at, they, you know, according to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, who was talking to Gutekunst and the rest of the guys about it, they targeted five wide receivers in the first round, and all of them went before the Packers pick. So although they want wide receivers, one of the, there's a couple reasons they don't get them. One is how heavily other teams view wide receiver and how that relates to the Green Bay Packers. If everybody else views them higher, in other words, let's say there's a, a, a guy that we view as just about the right value at pick 15. We're not going to trade up for him. If the rest of the league generally, or let's just say half the league, it doesn't have to be everybody, but half the league views him as a top 10 wide receiver, what are the odds he's going to fall to 15? It's not very good it's because somebody's going to see him as a great value by the time he hits 10. By the time he hits 11, 12, 13, somebody's going to either draft him or trade up for him. So I think that's kind of, I think, I don't know. It could just be a uh, the way, it. even if they view it the same. You know, if Justin Jefferson was viewed as a top 15 prospect by most most teams, it explains why the Vikings traded up and grabbed him way ahead of the Packers. They were already ahead of us, and then they traded up. And this has happened all through the draft. I've heard about, you know, there was a guy in the, that same year, um, in the third round, they were really wanting, and then somebody traded up, and I think, or, or the team right before him, which was the Ravens, I believe, grabbed him. And so, honestly, when I look at this year, the, the other thing, especially in the Devontae years, was Gutekunst didn't really feel like it was a massive need. So if there were three guys available, a wide receiver, a defensive tackle, and an edge rusher that were available that he viewed at being roughly on the same tier, it was unlikely that he was going to pick wide receiver. Now, we don't have Devonte anymore, but even now, if you have a tackle, a wide receiver, a tight end, and an edge rusher let's just say, that are roughly on the same tier by the time the Packers pick, which one would you think he would pick? Or which one would you honestly pick? I don't think I would take a wide receiver in that spot. If I'm that high and I believe there's an edge rusher that is a top whatever, I'm probably going edge rusher. And I would probably take tackle because I I value tackle and edge rusher more than wide receiver. Now, do we need wide receivers? Sure, but I also like Watson and Dobbs. And so I feel like we have somewhat of a foundation there and we can still get wide receivers later on. Whereas with edge rusher, I'm pretty nervous because our pass rush is very much lacking. I mean, it got better with the coverage, and I understand all that. And and so the as, as long as we have coverage kind of locked down, maybe you go that route. But even still, I'm very nervous about tackle. Yash is not a a real solution there, in my opinion. Maybe we have something in Zach Tom, but that's that's not something we know for sure. Remember, after, after Josh Myers' first year, everybody was like, dude, we got a stud in Myers. It was just a thing that we said, and it didn't really even make any sense. We just said it because the coaches said it, and everybody just started saying it, and we just all started parroting it for no real reason, even though his PFF grade was not great, and he actually didn't do a great job. And now, after another year of him being kind of, eh, everyone's like, I don't know, maybe we should start looking at center. Zach Tom was was fairly good, but he also didn't play very much. He played a bunch of different positions. I think his run blocking is is quite subpar. We know that Yash isn't the solution, and we know that... uh, David Bakhtiari is not going to be here forever. So we we if we have an opportunity for a top-end tackle, that would probably be my preference. And then honestly, the other thing is I just, I personally don't value the wide receivers very highly. And I, I from what I've heard, the rest of the league doesn't either. The way that the mock drafts fall with with these top wide receivers being as high as they are, my understanding from the whispers around the league is that the league really doesn't value these guys as highly as everybody else does. You got some people talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba being a second-round prospect. You know, Addison is kind of a smaller guy. Personally, I mean, just just for myself, I mean, again, I cannot get behind Quentin Johnston. He was at ninth. He's already dropped to 12th. I think that's going to continue. Jackson Smith and Jigba is now, from the consensus big board now, uh, down at 21st. Jordan Addison is sitting at 15th, but again, we'll see. Now that isn't to say, so you know, Jalen Hyatt might be, you know, he's he's considered a first round pick now, so he's moving up the board. Maybe by the time this thing is done, Jalen Hyatt is a is a legit option, or Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, Rasheed Rice, whatever. We'll see how these things pan out. But I just don't know that it's a valuable pick when when we have a top fifteen pick for the first time in a long time. If you want to use it on a Pretty good, but not genuinely like, like last year. You had some stud wide receivers, and I just don't know that we have that this year. That's something else that they've said is the top five wide receivers that went last year were better than all the wide receivers in this draft class. That's what I'm not saying everybody or the Packers believe that, but a lot do. So you can keep taking wide receiver if you want, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Not because they don't, they refuse to take wide receivers. I just think that there's better options. I think there's some stud tackles. You got Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky, um, and Broderick Jones is an absolute freak. He's got, <laughs> so I just saw somebody, they did his wingspan, and he has the wingspan of like a seven foot five guy or something just stupid. These guys are massive, mauling, monstrous human beings. And you got pass rushers like Tyree Wilson and, uh, defensive tackles like Brian Brzee. Of course, tight end Michael Mayer is an option. You got safety Brian Branch, I think makes a ton of sense. Plus, you got to factor in the Packers taking guys that are a little bit later than everybody else expects. I mean, you know, taking guys that are expected to go later, probably that are freak human beings. I don't know if they necessarily would do that at pick 15, but it's something to keep, keep in mind. So up to you, but I wouldn't get obsessed with the idea of wide receiver, especially since it's, you know, I wouldn't worry as much about the position, but about the player. And I'm sounding like a douchey scout now, but I mean it. Really, really go watch these guys. And I don't care if it's highlight reels or YouTube videos, just type in their name and then type verse and you'll see them. It's some guy, There's a ton of guys doing just amazing work. And they don't get paid for this because they're, they're all getting strikes. They probably have Patreons that you can support, but these guys are working real hard to do cut-ups of all these guys. Um, Or if you can find some All-22, watch that. But the bottom line is go watch the prospects and just decide which prospects you like, which guys you would like to play for the Green Bay Packers. And if you like them as players, that's the most important thing. Don't worry about the position as much, because I don't want a wide receiver that's bad at football over a defensive tackle that's great at football, just because I like wide receiver more than defensive tackle. And I think that's what most people who do, and I'm not saying you're doing this, most people that do mock drafts are just drafting positions. They go through and just say, you close your eyes and say, okay, wide receiver, um, defensive tackle. All right, eh, let's see, tight end. Um, and that's it. And then everybody that ranks their mock draft, you know, they post it on social media. and it was like, you're an idiot. They're not going to wait that long for an edge. Again, it's all about position. Nobody cares about the player. And I know that because even the top of the top guys, I mean, with the exception of maybe like five or six that have been grinding this all year. Have you ever even heard of half of these guys that you're drafting? These, starting in like the third round, maybe you watch that. you know, what I'll do, which is why I don't like doing seven-round mocks because it takes forever. Plus, I just, I don't like any, but you get into like the sixth round, you're trying to find somebody you like, and you're looking at PFF, and you're doing all this stuff, it's like, well, his PFF grade kind of sucks, and his tape kind of sucks, and everything. Well, yeah, he's a six-round pick, so just pick, so now you're just picking position largely, and so, well, that sucks. I just, that's why I just don't like doing seven-round mock drafts. But focus on the player. Uh, We had a new caller that snuck in. Sorry I didn't get you at the front of this uh, show, but I just got your call. Um, Let's hear from the new caller.
7: Hey, Ryan. Ryan. This is Tom from Mike's Taff. I'm a first-time complainer, Uh, I mean caller. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Niners getting off scot-free just is weird their quarterback situation, championship game, all of a sudden you've got a four-stringer that makes Hunley, good old Brett, look like a pro bowler. If Green Bay would have done that, not addressed who's backing up your miracle seventh rounder, they would have just gotten roasted for months. So how do they do it? How do they do it? You know, about the Niners, if they like Purdy really good in the regular season and not so good in the postseason, maybe they'll like (laughs) Rodgers. Anyway, have fun. Enjoy your show. Thanks so much. Bye.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't... I don't know if the Packers would ever consider a trade to them. Probably not because it sounds like the Jets are going to go all in and that would be a much better position. Um, I mean, and Rodgers could just say no, but I'm sure you'd say yes to the Raiders, which sounds like that's going to be another option. We'll get to that on tomorrow's show. But um, yeah, I don't, if if I'm the 49ers, I don't know why they wouldn't try for Rodgers. I really don't. I mean, it's the exact same philosophy I had with, with Matt LaFleur. I mean, the point is, it's a quarterback-friendly system that, in which a guy like Purdy, or theoretically Jordan Love, could thrive, and if you get a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you're going to get an MVP-caliber quarterback, and that's exactly what happened. He, for, he went from clearly declining to two back-to-back MVP seasons. Now again, this year was a complete cluster for a variety of reasons. Who knows exactly how much each one contributed to what. There's very little doubt that if Rodgers went to the 49ers, he would have a fantastic year. I just can't see a world in which Brock Purdy can be a viable option, but Rodgers is not. Now, them failing in the postseason is entirely probable, even with Rodgers, because you have a team that can't get it done in the postseason and a quarterback that can't get it done in the postseason. So I don't know how that equates to anything else. But, um, yeah, I would doubt that that would happen, and I know you don't probably think that either. It's a funny thing. I got the joke. The back, Nate.
0: I know you probably saw, but uh, Tom Brady officially retiring. This time he says for good. So I wanted to get your opinions on what team he's going to play for <laughs> next year. Go, Paco. Go.
1: Um, yeah, I know um, he's retired now two years in a row. Um, the, the word on the street is he's either going to go back with the Bucs or retire. So if he did come back, my money would be on the Bucs. But, you know... I I understand that this is a tough thing for these guys. I mean, clearly, look at Brett, look at uh, Tom Brady, look at Aaron Rodgers, the, the the pulling, right? I'm getting old. I'm getting tired. I'm tired of the grind. I don't want to do it anymore. But I freaking love football. Like, I just, I really want to play. I like the roar of the crowd. I like all that stuff. I just don't like all the actual work stuff, you know? Getting a little old for them. But you start to wonder, you know, you're Tom Brady. Not to be mean, but let's just call it what it is. The family isn't a right. I mean, I'm sure he sees his kids and whatnot. And maybe he'll get back together with his wife and everything'll be fine. But you go home to a lonely environment and you're just sitting around staring at yourself and watching T V you know, doing your your uh, whatever Tom Brady exercise diet pro and you go out golfing and you start to think to yourself, like this, uh I gotta do this for, what, another fifty years? That's that's crazy. And as you're doing that, you're getting Calls from the Raiders and guys like Devontae and players and coaches and GMs calling, like, oh, man, could be could be a good time. It's not impossible, especially if they start sweetening the deal. Like, we've got a ton of money. We'll go out and get whoever you want. You don't have to go to any practices or anything you don't want to. I couldn't care. If you want to just walk out on that field and throw the football, it's good. me Any tweaks to the offensive system, scheme, roster you want, it's all you. We'll just throw him some sweet one-year deals so that when you leave next year, it's you know off our back. Bears would be the perfect team. <laughs> they, they got all the money in the world and no quarterback. But I think for an older guy, you want to be a warm weather. So the Raiders do make sense. 49ers, warm weather, Bay Area, which I believe is where he's from. And really, that would make probably the most sense because he's going to want to just walk in and win a Super Bowl, and I think that's where it would be. The only thing would be the the headbutting between the 49ers are not going to bend over backwards for Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's probably not going to want to bend over backwards for the 49ers. You know, I, I just don't think there's a lot of give and tear. The 49ers have a well-oiled machine. This is the way we do things. Uh, take it or leave. And I think he would maybe leave. It. Uh, why don't we take a break right here? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddies where you can support the podcast. Also, please take a look at Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry at fertilegroundranch.org.
2: Ryan Dan from Indy. Hey. Um, I apologize ahead of time if this message is a little off the cuff because it totally is. I just didn't want to forget it. All right. So, how much of an impact do you think these coaches are actually having on their position? So, Hello. can go to a new level if we have a new defensive line coach, Jerry Gray. He just got. Swapped over to Atlanta. How much do you think of a detriment that is going to be to Jair and the guys, or do you think we will be able to bring them to new levels with a new coach? So my, 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 I guess my thought is what are your opinions on these individual coaches, and do you think the coaches and the players have gotten complacent with the current situation, or do you think they will be able to benefit from new coaching. Because, like, the only one that I feel super confident on, which is weird, is uh, Tom being the new uh, the new quarterback coach because apparently he's just a guru with Aaron Rodgers. And for all I know, Jordan Love is getting a lot out of him. Yeah. Um, I guess how I view coaches is, like, uh, <laughs> No, never mind. That's a terrible analogy. But anyway, yeah, just give me your thoughts on what
6: coaches you think we can upgrade because we've come to
1: complacent. Um yeah. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, so I did talk about our uh our coaching staff and all that at length, I think the other day, but um I I don't know. Um it's it's kind of weird because on one hand I'm saying, you know, if they're not performing we need to move on. On the other hand, I don't put a lot of stock in in position coaches being able to radically transform people. I think that there's a, a high end and, a, you know, again, when, when players leave and go somewhere else, do they massively fall off or massively improve? Why not? They've got completely different coaches. But I do think that there are outliers between really bad coaches and really good coaches. For example, I genuinely believe Mike Smith is an unbelievable pass rushing coach. I know he's not here anymore, but, but I'm just saying. I genuinely believe that. What, what what he was able to do in Kansas City to resurrect two careers. You had a a rookie bust and a veteran whose career had started to fall off. And he resurrected it and turned them into two of the top pass rushers in the NFL that year. Then he comes here, and you have Zadarius having his best years ever. You have Preston having his best years ever. And then you have Rashawn Gary becoming what Rashawn Gary became. Then he goes to Minnesota. And I know the defense was rough, but you had... Daniil and Zadarius were two of the top pressure guys in football, and that's with Daniil playing out of position essentially all year. So I do think you've got some superstars that can really do some great things, and I think you need to do everything you can to get them in the building. And I do genuinely worry about complacency. I've mentioned before the Mike McCarthy era, I think that's exactly what was going on. I think guys had been here for 10, 15 years. They had gotten complacent. The players had gotten complacent because nobody's ever going to get shipped off. No coaches will ever get fired, ever. And, and I genuinely don't worry about guys leaving necessarily because it's not like all the knowledge they gave you gets sucked out of their brain and gets taken somewhere else. I mean, you still learned all of those things. Now, there is their ability to um, look at the individual situations, right, in terms of looking ahead to the next opponent and scouting the next. You know, If you're, if you're a, a defensive line coach, you're scouting the offensive line and looking at their tendencies and, and all those things. But they should be teaching the player to do that. So everything that uh, Jerry taught all the DBs, they should be able to internalize and do. Now, he can still help with tweaking things and helping them to understand things. But, you know, you get a new guy in and they have different coaching techniques and can teach you different things. It's why I don't genuinely dislike turnover. Um, Again, if you've got a guy like Mike Smith that's just a complete stud, then I just don't want him to ever leave. But if we're not getting any growth, we're not really getting any positive output, I think it's time to try somebody else. We should find a stud inside linebacker coach, whoever he is. I don't know who he is. Go find one. Go find an up-and-coming guy somewhere and try him out. And if that doesn't work, try somebody else out. And worst case scenario, these linebackers have had a bunch of different coaches give a bunch of different techniques and insights and all these different things that they haven't heard before and haven't seen before. And it's all just tools to put in their arsenal. And, And again, some of that goes into... You know uh, techniques into scouting your opponent and all those things because these are things that the the players do need to learn to do individually, and so you get a bunch of different guys that teach them things. And again, it's not like when a coach leaves, they forget everything. i like, sorry, I got to confiscate all that confiscate all that knowledge I gave you. It's not how that works. And again, it's I it's hard to imagine Jerry Gray was this stud DB coach because how do we see that? I mean, with Minnesota, pretty much every safety that went to Minnesota was a superstar. That's why I was excited we got them. I mean, it didn't matter who they were. You had rookies, you had free agents coming over, you had everybody that played safety for the Vikings was just a star. But a lot of that might have had to do with Mike Zimmer and Mike Zimmer's defense and all that stuff. And so we go get the DB coach, assuming that that guy's a stud, and he comes plays for Joe Barry's scheme, which is entirely different than Mike Zimmer's, and you get... Amos was a stud, but he was always a stud. He was a stud in Chicago, too, and he had played in this kind of a system, the the Vic Fangio system. So if he was a stud over there, he's going to be a stud over here, presumably. But he didn't make him better, and he didn't do anything with Savage. You could say maybe he did with Jair, but maybe Jair was just a stud. I don't know. And then you look at the way we utilize him and think he might be more of a stud in a different system because it seems like we're utilizing him improperly. And what about Stokes? Are we impressed with Stokes? I mean, I think he's been mediocre at best. I mean, who are the guys you look at and say, man, Jerry's just tearing it up? I think Jair's really the only example because he was the top corner in football for a year, but it was just a year. And, you know, I I don't know. Maybe you could look at Razul Douglas and the jump he took, but look at how many guys Brian Gutekunst has brought in that have made that jump. Was Jerry Gray responsible for Devondre Campbell too? So I'm less concerned about guys leaving then maybe other people would be even really good coaches. I mean, again, Rashawn Gary, I'm sure learned a ton from Mike Smith. He's still a stud after Mike left. I don't expect guys to just massively fall off and get worse. So yeah, I I don't know. I'm 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 in favor of of turnover, and I I know that's not going to happen, and it probably shouldn't, because these are the the point is you employ people, and like most workplaces, you don't get fired for doing your job well, but not great, right? I mean, you're doing everything you're supposed to do. Kirk Olavadotti or whatever, the inside linebacker coach. I mean, he's doing his job. He's coaching the way everybody wants him to coach. He's doing the things he's expected to do. And so it's like, well, he's doing his job. I'm not going to fire him. But I don't know. I, I I just look at it from the standpoint of this is a different environment. You know, this is about being the best of the best and doing an okay job and not really seeing any improvements, you know. I mean, if if you're a Fortune 500 company and you hire, for example, a a social media management company and you don't see any growth in your social media, what do you do? You're going to fire them. It's not nice, but I hired you to help improve my social media and you didn't. And so I wasted my money with you and now you're fired. If we're struggling with our inside linebackers and I hire you and they don't improve. I mean, again, a lot of it probably is the players which would fall on the GM. But to some degree, it isn't, right? We know Devondre can play better. Why didn't he? Quay Walker is a first-round pick with a lot more talent. And again, we've seen him play well. Why are they playing the way that they're playing? Again, with the hesitancy and all that BS, why are they doing that? Why, why are they not reaching their potential? If, if they're reaching their potential and their potential just sucks, then the problem is the GM. If they're not reaching their potential, the problem is you, the coaches. And this, this is really true of every team. If we suck as a team for a prolonged period of time, we're not improving. The issue is either the coaches, the coaching staff, or the GM. That's it. There's never player issues. It's coach issues or GM issues. Either we're not getting the right players or we are, and those guys are not reaching their potential. But these long standing coach GM combinations that go on forever. Like, oh shucks, we we just got to get the right players and we gotta well, if you're not doing it, then you don't have the right people. That's what's got to get figured out. But, but again, this is where the complacency thing becomes a problem, right? For the longest time, we had the exact same coaches and the exact same GM forever. The team kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And it got to the point where it's like, when are we going to acknowledge that something is broken? It's either Ted or Mike or both. And finally, it took Mark Murphy to step in and say, We're, we got to do something here. We got to make a change.
0: Get back, Eddie. Uh, am I the only one who kind of feels like this draft class is just not worth a first round pick? <laughs> like the, the only person that is actually like that next level talent that's worth at least a top 15 pick would probably be B. John Robinson, right? But positional value, like, yeah. uh, like you've mentioned, running back, you, you don't take them in the first round, at least not if you're a good GM outside of Bijan like there's just there's nobody that's jumping off the page um I've I've been I've been watching tape I've been watching some breakdowns looking all over the internet just to see like who the Packers might take and more and more I kind of just want to vote to trade back um yeah. which I'm sure a lot of people are like going to freak out about you know let's take Michael Mayer or whatever but I don't know I'd, I just I would rather have a, a, a couple guys extra that we could develop um just just or try back and get for some picks for next year i don't know what next year's uh, draft looks like but i'm just not overly excited with this draft class but um you know i'm not a gm go back go
1: yeah and the one thing that i'm wondering about which actually makes a lot of sense in terms of a trade back is anthony richardson Assuming the Packers are not interested in Anthony Richardson, you look at a team like Washington that's right behind us. How many teams that could be potentially interested in Anthony Richardson would want to leapfrog Washington to get out in front of that? You know, could could Tampa Bay at 19 now that Tom's gone want to trade up with Green Bay to get up in front of Washington? Maybe even Detroit. I don't know. Probably not. They wanted a quarterback. They've got a higher pick to accomplish that. Um, Seattle maybe. If things with Baltimore don't pan out, that's an option, although they're supposed to franchise tag them. That's probably, I mean, you would do that to trade them anyways, but can't really imagine going too much further back than that. Um, Like, you know, New Orleans is at 30. I don't think we'd want to go that far back necessarily, but perhaps. I mean, that's going to be for sure a next year's first round pick and then some. But yeah, you could see going back uh, a handful of picks. For a team that wants to come up and get him, potentially now he might be, as other people have reported, he's more of a second round prospect um, than a first round prospect. But again, it, it just takes one team to see the upside and see you know. Again, it, and here's the other thing: as I've said, he's he's in my mind, he's Justin Fields. Apparently, everybody's in love with Justin Fields except me. So he should be a top prospect. Well, he's not as good of a thrower. <laughs> okay, if he comes into the league and is as bad as Justin Fields. So what? I, I, I just cannot fathom, because Fields is at the bottom of most categories, that he's going to be significantly worse than that. But hey, he's a, he's a project that runs really well that, um, you know, there's some questions about his ability to throw the ball. Okay, well, I thought we were cool with that. Or maybe everybody's just lying when they say they like Justin Fields, because I feel like we have a Fields-like prospect right there, and it's like, yeah, I mean, sure, but, you know. And I'm not saying that they're the same in terms of how they played in college. Fields was significantly better in college as a thrower and everything. But if we love him now as an NFL prospect that can't throw the football, why wouldn't you like Anthony Richardson? That's my question. But anyways, if you are looking to trade back, that would be... I mean, and and there's other options. I mean, maybe a team wants to come up and get Bijan if he's still available, um, which he may very well be, and a team that really wants a running back, or or any of the, you know, again, Michael Mayer. You're looking for those top-end prospects for a team that is... um, desperately in need of those things and i know it's well if he's a top end prospect why wouldn't the packers take him i don't know i'm just saying if you wanted to trade back there are always options there's always going to be a guy sitting there that somebody really wants and if that's not us then yeah get some more picks just make sure it's not a third all right if they offer you their pick in a third say no just say no
4: Ryan. How the heck are you? Doing good, man. Hey, this is Nico. Here in Idaho, just warming up my car. A little chilly this morning. Yeah. Reminds me of those Wisconsin days when the wind would slice through your clothing,
7: mm-hmm.
4: freeze you. Yeah. But uh, so listen to the podcast the after dark first thing this morning, as I do every day, because you know I'm addicted. You know, I one time referenced referred to your call as like a. A psychiatric hotline, yeah. you know, for people could call in and get things off their chest.
1: That's the idea. You
4: know, and say the things that are affecting them, and hopefully it'll help them make it throughout the day. Well, now I'm just flat addicted. And <laughs> when I wake up on those mornings and there is no after dark, I'm like, what the heck? I'm sorry. What's, what's going on, bro? You... You give me free stuff and then and then you don't give me free stuff on days I really want the free stuff, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is horrible and I walk around all day thinking of Scooby Steve and and wonder where the hell is Tom. I understand even mentioning Tom. Mike, You know, bring on the barrage of Tom. But I'm okay with that. I like Tom. Tom's kinda funny, you know. Um Think of dudes up in Alaska, guys in Alabama. Yeah, I just think of all the things I missed because no one called in. And I get
1: sad. Bringing them, in then the, go to the country I'm together, man.
4: Non-productive member of society, and they don't get stuff done all because of that crack podcast. I didn't get because someone didn't call. And thanks, buddy. And why did I even call? I, you know, I rabbit trail sometimes. I don't know if you know That's that. It's
1: fine. It's all good, uh, man.
4: So uh, get it out. Oh yeah. I was listening to the podcast this morning yeah. and you know, you sort of glanced kind of glanced over Nate's idea. What was that? Uh, I'm not gonna lie, Nate's idea scared me a little first. I, I I I have some beliefs that I believe are, you know, near and dear to me and uh tend to go against that side of the of the planet. But uh <clears throat> I mean when you think about You're
1: it. talking about the plastic But anyways
4: you you sort of you sort of you know, you you didn't really give a whole lot of cream. Eh, maybe, but I don't know anybody. I mean, come on, Ryan. You're like, yeah, we're over 30. By the time you're 30, you know some evil people. I mean, you got to know somebody. But, uh.
1: Still not sure I mean, uh.
4: About. When you think about it, it, it's, uh. I don't know if you've watched the news lately, but, uh. Lately, the last few years, it seems like the world is run by, oh, I don't know, like a worldwide evil organization that does evil things and then kind of gets away with it even though we know who all did it. like, nope, oh, it's all good. Ah, oh, crud, it's been three minutes already.
1: All right, Nico, he called back. I need you to tell me what we're talking about here. we got another two minutes and 44 seconds. Let's see if, see if we can get to it.
4: So, yeah, Worldwide Organization of Evil Junk. Yeah,
1: Dr. Evil. They just
4: kind of remain in the power. And I understand you don't really want to attach your dinghy to that boat, but you can sort of just let the boat point the board somewhere. You know, I mean, I don't know if you ever watched the Hollywood Awards show, they're like, hey, I want to thank my mom and my dad and my transgender cat yeah. and my high school, you know, uh, uh, acting coach. Oh on the devil. i <laughs> just kidding. Are they really kidding me?
2: I don't know.
4: So, uh, you know, it's a little bit like when Favre, you know, back when they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Is then this like that, Favre? I was like, what's wrong with Farve, It's not the same. And, and uh, then it came out, he was addicted to Vicodin. in Yeah. And I'm thinking there, wait a minute. So he was addicted to Viking in the year he won the Super Bowl. Now he's off Viking and he can't win the Super Bowl. I was I was thinking maybe get a like a suitcase of Viking and mail it to him and saying, Hey, hey, just keep this on the low.
1: Yeah. But uh think it work. All right. We gotta stop here for a second. I'm I, I I was convinced we were talking about plastic. I'm not even sure if Nate's the one that called about the plastic, but I'm not sure. But we're talking about Evil people in positions of power and they stay in power. And actresses, transgender cats who worship the devil, and Brett Favre took Vicodin and won a Super Bowl. And I'm trying so hard to connect the dots here. <laughs> I don't know where we're going. I don't know if this has anything to do with plastic. Or what Nate was talking about, but we've got another uh minute and forty five seconds to get there. First time and I wouldn't
4: really be participating in said consumption of bike, you know. Right. I mean I might have facilitated a little bit if we get assume well I don't know. I mean maybe it's not so bad. So hey. But yeah. yeah, you know, maybe we could uh we all I mean, hey, we all know why Tom Brady got what he got. Yep. I mean uh it wasn't because of his talent it wasn't because of his defense. It wasn't because you made this as bestest coach slash GM ever. I mean, look at him since Tom left. He sucks. We all know it's because his wife was a witch and put a right. spell on him. And who do witches work for? They don't work for Jesus. Right. They work for that other guy. Yep. And look, as soon as he breaks up with his little witchy wife, which I wonder if you ever called her a witch. Like, are yeah, you witch? She, if he did, she would probably just kind of grin and look at him kind of weird. Maybe but anyways, she's into it. I don't know. As soon as you know, those guys back ties, what does he do? Yeah, he sucks, too. So yeah. maybe Nate's, you know, idea wasn't so crazy. I admit I, too, don't really know what was his in that idea? realm. But they can't be hard to find. I mean, they seem to be everywhere. All we got to do is to maybe call a congressman or a senator or maybe call Alex Baldwin or something. I don't know. Um...
1: Ask if they're witches. Uh, I'm
4: just spitballing. I do that sometimes when I'm done rabbit trailing. But uh, so yeah, Nate, uh, that was a great, uh, that was a great call. Hey, Ryan, uh, I'm only calling in a rambling just to make sure we have some more after darks, okay? Because you know, crack addiction, blah. Yeah. I already think I And
1: Vicodin, that. I think too, right? Wait, or? you have a great day. Is that not? And uh,
4: since there's no football forever, yep. Uh, let's talk about draft picks and stuff, and get excited sure. you know, about people that we won't draft. But it's fun. It's all fun. It's all in a good
1: game of fun and stuff. And uh so yeah, have a great day. Uh go Peko. Um so uh Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Nate. Speaking of Nate, uh he called up next and I can see Google is bleeping out a ton of words here. So uh, we've had like two calls from chill, Nate, and apparently something happened at, uh, at noon. Well, Noon on Wednesday is a bad time. You know what I mean? Nobody likes noon on Wednesday. It's dead smack dab in the middle of the week. You know, I mean, you've got the exha- exhaustion from the beginning of the week, and then you've got all the time until the end of the week. It's not a good time. You know, before that, you're less exhausted. You know, Monday morning sucks because it's Monday and you have a long time to go, but you're refreshed. You're feeling fine. You haven't worked at All right. You're not worn down and exhausted from work. Wednesday at noon, it got the best of Nate, that's for sure.
0: Hey, can everybody on Twitter stop sucking Brady so hard? Like, didn't didn't you do this last season? Didn't didn't we go through all this, like all the highlight tapes, and we, we praised him and knelt down to him and and we were all good and then he came back and I'm retired and and now he gets another one? He gets two happy endings from all, from all his stands. And you guys just can stop. It's disgusting. It's disgusting to watch you kneel down to this guy as if he's a f-ing God. The dude was okay. He's not as elite as you think he is. He was on good teams. Super Bowls are a team achievement. Are you stupid? Okay, he had like one season, maybe two, where he was actually a really good player. The rest was because of his defense or because he cheated his way there. Accept it, build a bridge, get over it. All right. He's not hes not a god. He's just not. He's a dude. He's had a lot of success, not because of him, but because of his teams. off.
1: <laughs> Nate, I don't know what that has to do with witch worship, um, but if you could fill me in, if anybody could call in and fill me in, um, I really want to engage with Nico's call, and I don't know how. Uh, but yeah, not a fan of Tom Brady, and hope he stays away. So we're somewhat in agreement on that.
3: One other thing I uh, forgot to mention, I was wondering if you'd uh, delve into uh, guys that have left Green Bay last season as free agents and how they ended up uh, finishing out their seasons. Um, I know MVS, uh, quite frankly, had – I would say a pretty good game for uh Kansas City uh, against the Bengals. Mm-hmm. I was rooting for him uh through that whole game and pointing that out I was like, man, this guy's uh looking like the M V P of the game. I mean he's getting first downs for him, he gets scores a touchdown. Uh he made some plays for him. I was uh really happy for that him. Wasn't. But uh I was wondering how everybody else finished out their seasons. I know uh I know Devontae finished out pretty good, but yep. uh the guy I feel sorry for him losing his quarterback and all but uh uh, just everybody else, uh, just curious of what your comments were on how uh, these free agents moved on and how well they did. So, I'm out.
1: It's amazing how in sync you guys are with these calls, the themes and everything else. Um, so we already covered it. I will say, though, in in the event of somewhat engaging with your call, um, I wasn't rooting for MVS, and I probably should have been. If I was a better person, I probably would have been, but... Um, I don't think he provided a lot here, and I think when he goes there, he's trying to put a chip on his shoulder, which, fair enough, you know, you want to prove to all the doubters and the haters and all that stuff that you're better than what people say. But um, it just feels like when guys like that leave, there's like a – I don't want to say anti-Packers feel to it, but sort of a, you know, screw you guys, I'm going to go off and um, be better without you and – Oh, finally, I made it to the Super Bowl. You know, it just feels like a slight against the Packers the whole time. And it's like, you know what, dude? You were never that good here. You're not even that good there. You had one good game. You're not worth the money that they paid you. Just be quiet. All right? Just be quiet. So, yeah, I mean, I guess good for him. But it does suck to have, you know, all these guys, like, well, not all these guys, but to have MVS go there. And just kind of ride the coattails of that team to the Super Bowl and then be like, oh, this is what it's like to be with a really good quarterback for once. It's like, dude, I will – whatever. I'm not saying he said that, but it is annoying. And there was this whole, like, finally I made it, as if like he, after all this time, finally got what he's been working toward. It's like, you didn't do anything, dude. If you'd have gone to any other team, you wouldn't be in the Super Bowl right now. It's not because of you, I promise. Um But yeah, I guess I'm just bitter, and I probably should root for MVS. But he's not a Packer. If he was in Green Bay, sure. He's not in Green Bay. And I was not that big of a fan of him when he was here anyway. So him being with a team that I despise and and to some degree helping them get to a Super Bowl uh, does annoy me a little bit. And he's helping the Chiefs, who I don't like, get to the Super Bowl. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of of people that leave and go elsewhere. Uh, I was a little bit more so with Devontae. Um, I guess because I always liked Devontae more than MVS and because the Raiders are irrelevant to me and the Raiders suck. If there, if Devontae had gone to the Chiefs or the 49ers or something like that, which I know they wouldn't have traded him, but I'm just saying hypothetical. Um, I'm not saying I would have hated Devontae, but it would have been a lot harder for me to be okay with his success. A lot harder. Because again, it just sucks to have somebody go somewhere. And I'm again, this doesn't happen very often. Usually guys go places and they're just the same old I don't want to say useless, but same old level of mediocre. But when they go off and it's like, oh, yay, finally success. Finally, things are great here. It's like, dude, I don't like you, which doesn't happen very often. But when it does, it's annoying. Anyways, I think we're going to leave it at that. Uh, Garrett, I think you had one more call. Although I clicked on it, so uh, I'll probably forget tomorrow to do it. But if I remember, we'll get to it. And then we got a couple calls from Brian. Otherwise, we don't have enough for a new show. So please get your calls in 608-501-0718. Otherwise, I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.